Hello, my fellow Michiganders, and welcome to For the Love of Michigan. I'm your host, Steven. Hope you guys have been having a great week. Hope you guys are having a great weekend. This episode of For the Love of Michigan, we have quite a bit to talk about, a couple of topics. First, something that just came out today, October 9th, which is a Saturday, the first redistricting draft map came out, and I'll leave a link in the podcast description for you guys to check out this article from MLive, which includes a picture of the redistricting first draft map. It, not really much to go off of here. It Again, it's the first draft, so I think in some ways it's going to be changed. It definitely looks like that there are some districts that are more properly covered. However, when you get to southeast Michigan and the Wayne County area, it looks like a mess. Like it always has been. So we'll see what happens when there are more drafts introduced, but it's not looking good. It looks no different from where we were arguing about gerrymandering. So there's that. It'll be interesting to see how things look before the election, but, or I guess the midterms really, but still not looking good for this first redistricting draft, but I'll leave you guys to decide what you think. Next, we're going to talk about election bills, four election bills that Whitmer vetoed at a NAACP dinner this past week. I'll also include the article from the Detroit Free Press in the description, so that way you guys can check out the article yourself and formulate your own opinions. So, the first bill... And again, this is coming from the article. Whitmer wrote in a letter stating her objections at legislation that would have banned voting equipment from being connected to the Internet was unnecessary and misleading. The article claimed that election poll books and tabulators are not connected to the Internet when voters and ballots are processed during an election. We'll get to that in a little bit. Bill number two would have specified who could access the state's voter files, a representative from the Secretary of State office told the House panel in May that the GOP introduced bill was based on misinformation that third parties currently have access to the voter files. Whitmer shared that same concern. Kind of interesting there. Bill number three, and this is where I kind of have my, my gripe with the Democrats at this point. So bill number three would have allowed privately owned buildings such as recreation clubhouses or hotel conference centers to serve as polling locations. This third bill was a bipartisan bill that was introduced by Representative Ann Ballin, who is a Republican from Brighton, representing District 42. She is the chair of the House Elections and Ethics Committee, as well as Representative Matt Colzar, who is a Democrat from Plymouth, representing District 20, and he is also the committee's, the committee's minority vice chair. So again, bipartisan bill, expanding where people can vote. Interesting, right? Whitmer wrote that the legislation would have made it more difficult for seniors and those living in large apartment complexes to vote. Whitmer expressed that she's willing to consider at least one piece of legislation that she vetoed in a revised form, and the bill that would have required election challengers to undergo a comprehensive training created by the Secretary of State's office is worth consideration, but in that bill's current form, the bill lacks the necessary funding. So a bit to unpack with bill number one and bill number three, since that's where I feel that not the most passionate about, but I feel like I have a better grasp on it and we kind of need to point some things out. So 
Let's just talk about real quick first uh, the bill that would have required election challengers to undergo comprehensive training. Just give that more funding. It shouldn't be that hard. We want to talk about the integrity of our elections, Democrats and Republicans alike. Let's just get another bipartisan bill going that would get more funding for people to get more training on how to run proper polling locations and how to secure our elections even more. I don't think that's far-fetched of an idea. I mean, we want people to vote, right? We want our citizens that are registered to vote to vote, whether it be absentee ballots or voting locations, right? That makes sense to me. I know that I want people to vote. It's a privilege. It's a right, you know? We have the right to vote, and a lot of countries don't really have that. So I feel like we should be able to expand that. So state of Michigan should get more funding for these trainings, for these election challengers, and we it just needs to happen, you know? So bill number one, the one that was talking about voting equipment being connected to the internet and it being unnecessary and misleading. I knew right from the get-go that that was kind of bullshit. I had a feeling it was, and so I did some digging, and I will include this article from NBC News that talked exactly about this. So, from the article, then acting undersecretary for cybersecurity and communications at the Department of Homeland Security, Janet Manfra, said in 2017, quote, voting machines are not connected to the internet, unquote, while testifying before Congress. However, according to a team of 10 independent cybersecurity experts who specialize in voting systems and elections, while the voting machines themselves are not designed to be online, the larger voting systems in many states end up there, putting the voting process at risk. Kevin Skogland, I hope I pronounced that right, a senior technical advisor for the National Election Defense Coalition, said the group found over 35 voting systems had been left online at the time of the NBC News article when it was published, which was January 10th, 2020. So last year, right before the election, Donald Trump was president. Keep that in mind. The three largest voting manufacturing companies, election systems and software, Dominion Voting Systems, we heard a lot about Dominion last year, and Heart InterCivic have acknowledged that the output modems in some of their tabulators and scanners. What was the reason for that? So that unofficial election results can more quickly be relayed to the public. Those modems connect to cell phone networks, which in turn are connected to the internet. So firewalls can be breached, and hackers can hack through a modem. If anybody knows any basic computer science stuff, Hackers can hack into anything nowadays. Technology is constantly advancing. So to claim that they're connected to the internet is misleading. No, what you're saying, Governor Whitmer, what you're saying is misleading. Clearly, most of them are. If I recall correctly, Dominion Voting Systems was in Michigan, right? What are we doing? This, uh, what Whitmer clearly said was a lie. If modems connect to cell phone networks, then they're connected to the internet. Again, firewalls can be breached and hackers can hack through a modem. It's not that hard at the end of the day. But hey, you know, Republicans don't care about voting rights. Democrats, they are the saviors like they always are. 
They're going to ensure that anybody can vote and you don't have to worry about an ID. You can just walk right in and vote. Don't get me started on voting IDs. <laughs> but at the end of the day, Democrats, I mean, okay, we're, t we're always talking about the, the big lie, quote unquote, the big lie, right? Democrats keep on saying the big lie. Republicans are saying that there was election fraud. Let's just get something straight. Democrats and Republicans are spitting out their own version of the big lie. There is a big lie out there, and Democrats and Republicans are sharing their own narrative. Because it gets votes. Like I said in a couple of episodes ago, we're getting played like a damn fiddle. And people are okay with it. Which sucks. But it is what it is at this point. People don't care that they're being lied to so long as their team is winning. They don't care if their team cheats as long as they win, then it's okay. The Lions should think about cheating in some ways, right? So that they can win. I digress. That's a sports metaphor. But still, they're perpetuating their own big lie. And to say that there's no fraud ever in an election is absolutely ridiculous. It may not be on a national scale like some people want us to think that it is. But there are certain times where election fraud exists. It's bad. Yeah, it's absolutely bad. There shouldn't be any type of fraud in elections. But it's a fact of life. And for people not to want voter IDs or anything to verify an ID, it, it's kind of insane when you think about it. Uh, I'll share a couple of stories from my personal life in regards to last election cycle. Now, when I voted in the Democratic primaries last year, I went to a polling place that was brand new to me because I switched over to my voter's registration when I was living at an apartment when more closer to my college. Uh, concrete significant details. <laughs> Just trying to paint the picture. So when I went to my polling place, there was the, the ladies told me at the polling place once when I got to my correct area that there were five different people with my name and last name. So they needed my ID, my driver's license, to verify that it was me. And they wanted to make sure I was given the right ballot. That's not far-fetched, right? I was more than happy to give them my, my ID, my driver's license. I was like, yeah, no, sure, absolutely. I'm kind of surprised that there's more than five people with my same first name and last name in the system in this area. But sure, I'll give my driver's license because I want to be able to vote. I want to make sure that my vote is counted in the Democratic primary. That's not crazy. I've heard people that said that they needed their IDs for that too. There was also another instance where uh, this married couple, I'll just say my parents. <laughs> so my parents went in to vote and... The polling people gave gave them the wrong ballots. Like they gave they they swapped the ballots with each other, which I'm sure that's a lack of training given the area that it's in that polling location is in. So I definitely think that there's a problem with a lack of training and people need to be trained if they're gonna be running polling locations. But even something like that, that's that's not good. <laughs> but they didn't even ask them for their ID or verify like. It's kind of insane that some people do their due diligence and others don't. 
and that some people think that voter ID is far-fetched and others think that it's necessary. I mean, we need to just make sure that the integrities of our elections are safe, that they're secure, and don't lie. Just don't lie about it, you know? If you're trying to push a narrative, it, it that's not cool. That's not cool at all. And rant. Each year, it's always something new with election fraud. And again, to say that there's no fraud ever in an election is absolutely ridiculous. Bill number three about the polling locations. What is so wrong with opening up more polling locations to ensure that every Michigander has a chance to vote in person? I get that absentee ballots are now the new thing, and personally, I like absentee ballots. I think it makes it a lot easier for me to get my ballot early, so that way I can research all the candidates up and down the ballot, because I don't vote straight ticket. I think that's stupid. <laughs> if you vote straight ticket, at least you're voting. But for me personally, I want to make sure that I'm voting for who I believe is the correct candidate and somebody that aligns with my beliefs. For example, on the U.S. Senator uh part of it. It was uh, Gary Johnson and John James as Democrat and Republican, respectively. And there was a ton of other independents. There was three independents to choose from. I researched those three independents, and I ended up voting for somebody that was from the Green Party because they wanted to repeal the Patriot Act and legalize marijuana. And that's because I got an absentee ballot, and I took literally, this is not an exaggeration, I looked at up and down the ballot for five hours researching platforms i was on ballotpedia.org which i highly suggest you guys should use to research these candidates i mean people just need to do their due diligence make sure that they're voting for people that align with their values it's not democrat or republican anymore well it is it's still democrat or republican because we have a duopoly system in the united states where independents can barely you know get on the ballot to begin with if they're running for president, but we're getting to a point where it can't just be Democrats and Republicans anymore. We have to start voting for people that align with our beliefs. There's more than meets the eye to some of these independents, and if people just would do their due diligence and research, you would be very surprised that, you know, you might be voting somebody that you wouldn't vote for because they aren't in your party. I'll, I'll be, I, I was telling people, I told my friends, I told my family members, my ballot, I, ha I voted for Democrats, I voted for Republicans, I voted for Independents, like, <laughs> it wasn't just one specific party or a majority, it was a nice mix of Dems and Republicans and Independents, and that's how it should be, in my opinion, but I digress, we'll see where things go, uh, but yes, absentee ballots, Opening up more polling stations, eh, yeah, there would have to be more funding for training and such, but having more polling stations is a good thing. Again, we're talking about giving more people access and the right to vote. Now, you would have to, there would probably be some sort of election laws where yeah, it would get a little bit complicated, but to open up more polling stations is a good thing. Why limit it to X, Y, and Z? Shouldn't we have more? I mean, you have, I'll just use uh, senior folks' homes, for example. Most of these people, they they don't drive a car anymore. 
They don't want to wait for a bus to take them to the polling location. They don't. Uh, they also don't want to walk. <laughs> you know, I to have. I mean, sure, absentee ballot, easy. That that would be the easiest thing for them to do is to request an absentee ballot and vote. But if they want to vote in person, which is their right to to vote in person, why don't we open up a polling location in the recreational clubhouse? You know. That way they can just walk a hundred feet and they can vote straight ticket if they want to or they can vote in the primary or vote for president, whatever they want to do. Just give them that access. That's all people want nowadays is to have access to vote. I mean, everybody... Here's what I don't understand. Every... In 2020, they said that this was the most important election in history. Okay, sure. Um... Every election is important. Every election is the most important election in history. There wasn't anything really riding on this election when you think about it. I mean, it was Trump or Biden. <laughs> That's, there. I mean, at the time, there wasn't really a whole lot riding on the election. I mean, Biden is doing a terrible job now. But there was nothing severe. Like, everything for the most part is okay. I think it would have been okay if Trump was elected. I just, my thing is, give the people the opportunity to vote. We want to talk about how it's racist to, you know, limit people, uh, minority groups to vote. Aren't we, wouldn't limiting where people can vote, isn't that racist? To not open up more polling stations, wouldn't, isn't that racist? I, I hate to sit I hate to pull the race card. I really do. But everybody's saying that something is racist in regards to voting. I think if we limit polling locations, that's also racist. We want to talk about voter ID being racist, closing off polling locations, that that's not good. By doing this sort of thing, depending on what side of the aisle you're on, I think every state has these flawed election laws. But by limiting polling stations, we are no better than Texas or Georgia. I mean, honestly, we we really are no better than Texas or Georgia. And the fact that it's a Democratic governor limiting polling locations at NAC or NAACP, I just don't understand. I really don't understand. Now, I'm not saying that a Republican governor would do it differently. I really, I'm, I'm not saying that. But when we're saying when there's tons of things going on with the election and changing new election laws and redistricting and gerrymandering it just it doesn't fit their narrative which i'm not frustrated about that because it calls democrats and republicans alike out on their bullshit but when they go up against their narrative it just it, it confuses people and i wish more people in my opinion, would challenge that. Now, whether or not you want to challenge that, if you just want to be blue or red and not purple, fine. That is that is your deal. At least you're voting. But live with the consequences. When you start talking to people that all these election laws affect, it, I just don't see how we can be at all happy with limiting people. Democrats and Republicans alike. It doesn't make any sense for us to limit who can vote and how they can vote. 
Everybody should be able to vote. You pay your taxes, you know, vote. Be able to vote. No matter if it's absentee or polling, you know, in person, you just just vote. And don't let these politicians limit what you can do with voting. Everybody has the right to vote, no matter how you do it, as long as you're not committing fraud. <laughs> don't commit fraud. Be a good citizen. Vote the right way. And just vote. Just vote. Even if it's straight ticket, at least you're exercising your right. Off my soapbox now. But we're still going to be talking about elections. I want to talk about something that I have been learning about over the course of me during my time in the political academy, which I'm actually wrapping up this weekend in my specialization. Something I learned in the political academy as, and as well as canvassing on a state house race campaign. This is a message to Democrats and Republicans, because both are pretty guilty about this, and I guess independents too, if they ever get a real shot at anything, but you guys cannot screw up, get out the vote in the future, and I'm going to tell you guys why. So, personal story from the campaign trail when I was canvassing. Uh, there was this house I went up to, I was supposed to talk to the wife, uh, the husband answered, and he asked me about my candidate and what side of the fence they were on. If they, I, I'll just say if they were a Democrat. So this guy asks me if he's an independent or a Republican. And I said, well, sir, he, he's a Democrat. And this potential voter said, not a chance. And I said, okay, uh, can I ask why? Is there anything that we can like, agree on? At that point, I wasn't even trying to get him to vote for my candidate. I wanted to see why. I wanted to see what was making this guy tick and what made him want to vote for either a Republican or an Independent. And he cited what the Democrats did to Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh, during the hearings. And he just couldn't vote for a Democrat after that. So that was an interesting conversation to have with him. Um, we kind of we, we disagreed on a few things, but... That conversation with him very, really much opened my eyes to how people really think. Uh, that conversation ended in a handshake. So, you know, there was no ill feeling. We both respected. We agreed to disagree. And that was it. But what I'm trying to get at is that, especially after the 2020 election, there are a lot of disgruntled Democrats and there's a lot of disgruntled Republicans. It's an interesting time in politics to where people do not know who they identify with anymore, and politicians, honestly, need to capitalize on that. They need to take the time to reach out to the opposition that are leaning towards the opponent, or those that are undecided, or both. You also need to reach out to those hard-to-reach voters and make sure that their voices are heard. There's a lot of people that are disenfranchised, uh, not only in Michigan, but across the entire country. If you are able to tap into those people and see what makes them tick, and if you can find some common ground with your candidate's policies, you'd be surprised. You know, you might actually get them to vote for your candidate. Now, I'm not saying that if you are, you know, solely focusing on Democrats or Republicans, if you know that you have strong Democrats or Republicans that are going to vote for you, I'm not saying divert all of your funds to those that are leaning or are undecided. 
but I still feel like a good majority of these campaigns should be able to dedicate some time to reaching out to these disgruntled Democrats and these disgruntled Republicans. You know, for Republicans, there are disgruntled Democrats that they can reach out to and vice versa. To not, to not reach out to these voters, it's almost a detriment to the campaign and just the overall electoral process. Like I said, there's a lot of people that feel disenfranchised. There's a lot of people that haven't been reached out to in a while. Just as an example, my candidate actually told us this story, but he went out to a certain area of the district that a Republican hadn't touched in years. I mean, this district was a Republican-controlled district. It was pretty red, or still is pretty red. Might be a toss-up nowadays. We'll see. But there was these voters that said that their representative, who was a Republican, never reached out to them, never canvassed. And that's how my candidate got their vote, because somebody reached out to them. I feel like we're leaving a lot on the table, and these voters, these hard-to-reach voters, quote-unquote, they have the chance to swing an election, especially in Michigan. As I said in the last podcast, you know, who we vote for president and governor doesn't reflect who we vote for as a state senator, state representative, or Congress. So I think people need to take into consideration how they should be approaching get out to the vote, get out the vote in the future. And the reason why I talk about this is during my time in the academy, there was somebody that said that you shouldn't waste time on the opposition. And, you know, just based on my personal experience, I was like, that's dumb. <laughs> because even though, even though the voter I talked to wasn't going to vote for my candidate, I still had a conversation with that voter to see what makes them tick. And if you can see what makes people tick, you can start to play to that a little bit more. You can sell them on the policies that you stand for, and maybe they'll vote for you. Maybe they'll vote for you. Again, depends on the district, depends on the state. But in Michigan, we are purple. We can vote for Trump and then vote for Whitmer and then vote for a Democrat state house representative in the same election cycle. It's happened. In a lot of districts, that's what happened. So anybody that's running for office, do not mess up. Get out the vote in the future. If you do, shame on you. But you're leaving a lot of good voters on the table, I think. So election-heavy episode today, but this was all necessary. There's a lot of good topics here, especially the election bills being vetoed by Whitmer. It's going to be interesting to see how those play out and see what bills get redesigned and what bills will be sent to Whitmer to sign after those were redesigned. Maybe they'll still get vetoed. We'll see. There's still a lot of time, but it's an exciting time. I mean, we're ramping up to the midterms in a couple of months. We're going to start seeing these campaigns launch. And I talk about these because it's vital. Redistricting map, that's vital. That will truly dictate how future elections will go in the state of Michigan. So hang on to your seats, y'all, because it's going to get pretty weird but exciting. And I'll be covering it every step of the way. So my fellow Michiganders, thank you for listening to the podcast. This was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun talking about it. I hope you guys had a fun time listening to it. I will see you guys next week on another episode of For the Love of Michigan. And of course, For the Love of Michigan, 
do something to save our state.